experience that was like death. And so now there's all this courage. Let me play my part. Check two, hey. Check like, two. is that real? Did that happen? Like, the structure of your brain actually changes. And do you still feel that every day? And then it got time for guitars. Eating disorder, like, I didn't want to die. Tendencies. But I didn't want to live. Yeah. Girl. You gotta go in the hospital. You feel powerless because the body has a fear reaction. The opportunity to empower. No one can take away my power. I won't take myself out. Artists that are true like that, those are the ones that tend to like create change. can be dangerous times. I mean, I've seen Cal deal with new memories and once I wasn't there and uh, like there were some, there were some really, really scary times. And there are people who talk about this idea that obviously I, I get the, the exposure piece, do something over and over again. It won't scare you as much anymore. Talk about it over and over. Talk about the, the war, horrible thing until it loses its power over you. And then there are people who say, you know what? There comes a day when ripping the wound open for the thousandth time is doing you no good. And you're just dredging it back up again. Like there's, Where's the fine line? And, and do those people have some kind of a point to like, you can do damage getting a, a new memory with no support around you if you're by yourself and like bad stuff can happen. Yeah. I won't list anything graphic, but it, it's dark. A hundred percent. And, and there is a fine line. I think, um, you know, with, uh, with, with Adlerians, we're not, we're not sitting there trying to pry open the wounds. Uh, but so you would come in and we might take the first, however many sessions it takes to get through your story. And then by hearing your story uh, with the different techniques and methods that we have, we're able to sort of see a pattern. Um, and then along with that pattern, start to see your style of life. Mm-hmm. So your personality, what's affecting your movement, what's, what's creating this, this uh, stagnant, uh, the stagnant position that you now see yourself at, that you have to come to us and sort of get a little push or to uh, figure out how to write the next chapter in your book, right? Or just, you know, a little help. Um, a little help. That'll little, be the name of your clinic. Yeah, right. A little help. A little help. No, it's great. Um, and so uh, it's it's you don't want to you don't want to emphasize it too much. It's I get that we get the story out, hmm. we get it together, we understand where your style of life was created. Right. We understand how your personality developed the way that it did, hmm. and then from there right? We're going to focus on how can we make this, how can we get you to start moving again? So you're not about dredging up every detail and no. like, wait, we say it for the thousandth time. Yep. You did what? Like, oh yeah, God, exactly. Let it fucking go. Yeah. It's, Sorry, like I've seen stuff that's just too far. Like, okay, let it go. This person has to function. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, and, and, and there's no, there's really no need, right? So once you, once you get the whole story out, uh, and you sort of, um, kind of give a summary of and how we do it is we do it in a story that's just how adler did it it was it's very much or how adlerians do it we create a story and it's the person's story and we get that uh by you know the first couple interviews and once we create your story we say okay this is da 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 and then you know your your client you know well yep that is exactly it great we figured it out Hmm. we figured out where you're at up until now 
So now we're going to move from here. And how are we going to do that? And here are some ways that we can do that. What are some of the, uh, the tools that are taught for a person to cope with, say, a new memory when they're, they're in a space where, okay, say they're, they're meeting once a week and their, their session is on Tuesdays. Okay, well, it's Wednesday night and something hits them hard. Deep um, breathing. Okay. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's, <laughs> um, I always laugh when I, when I say deep breathing, cause it's like, Oh, breathing, like no, it's so forget. simple. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, but there's all this, you know, things happening that it seems so much bigger than how do I just cure it with breathing? So interestingly enough, um, breathing is one of the most back in, back in archaic traditions. Uh, breathing was considered the actual gateway from, uh, from mind to spirit. Sure. Right? Um, so uh, spiritus in Latin is also breath. Aspire, respire, all those words. Yep. Uh, I think it's, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to butcher this, but it's like ruha, which is uh, Hebrew for breath as mm. well as spirit. Um, there's, uh, there's, there's mana, prana, chi, ki um, from, uh, from Chinese. And, you know, it's just, uh, one, we're actually one of the few cultures that just sees the breath as a, as a vital and necessary process mm. to life. But that's that, like, that's it. It's yeah. just biological. Right. And that's so much in martial arts too. You get a new white belt in and you're like, okay, you're going to breathe when you punch out. And then for months, they're not used to that. And you're like, yeah. and you do it over again. You didn't breathe right. And then you're, they got to be thinking seriously breathing. Yeah. You know, no, it's the life force. Mm -hmm. It's you have nothing if you hold your breath and punch. Yes. And, and what we're finding too, is when you, when you, so like in yoga traditions, when you can do, uh, when you can do breath work, you can actually have, um, something, uh, even close to like a psychedelic experience, right. Which is, uh, something sort of out of this world. Hypoxia. Uh, and that kind of thing. Yeah. I think the ancient Egyptians might have done that. They were experimenting with this concept of the near-death experience. Mm -hmm. They call it that now. And they were trying to have them. It was, I think it was like a requirement to get to a certain level. I don't know if it was Pharaoh or what, but um, that you've been to the other side and you know what this whole thing's all about, right? So they would lock up these people, I'm sure weren't volunteers. How many slaves died doing this? I don't know. But they'd, they'd trap them in a chest with limited oxygen. And go, What'd you see? Oh, he, this one didn't make it. Like, yeah. No, it's very powerful. They, uh, so it's interesting you said that um, because that also uh, sort of carries out through uh, Greece as well. So in Greece, there was what was called the Eleusinian Mysteries. And the Eleusinian Mysteries were based on uh, Dionysus and Persephone. And I'm not going to get into the story because I won't be able to articulate it as best, but you know, look it up. Um, but it's basically how, uh, and I want to say uh, Dionysus went into the underworld and then came back out and there's a whole mythology behind that. And that's what these mysteries were built on. And so what happened, and you're talking like 3000 people, uh, going to Athens about 13 miles out, uh, to the spot where like, I believe Aristotle would be a part of it. Plato was a part of it. So these big influential, you know, people, um, that have sort of, you know, built some philosophies that we've used up until now that we still study. Uh, they took what we now think is um, uh, the sort of bacteria that grows on wheat, uh, which is also close to uh, or in relation to ergot. Ergot is also um, what we use uh, with lysergic acid for LSD, hmm. right? And so they would, I wanted to say it was a drink that they would have after this big ceremony and you would have an experience that was like death. Wow. And so when you came back, 
you saw life totally differently, right? Because now it wasn't that life was this thing to fear because mm. you just died. Death was this thing to fear. Yeah, because yeah, death was a thing to fear. And now that you just died and saw what it was all about, you come back and you have nothing but appreciation and great f- gratitude for even being alive, mm. right? And so now there's all this courage to go do whatever it is that you know you want to do because you know, I saw it (laughs) and it wasn't what I thought it was. Yeah. And so, uh, I'm going to make the best out of where I'm at now. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was like, uh, I mean, they did it for years, years, uh, before eventually, you know, the, uh, barbarians come down and stole all the drugs. Yeah. Just start, well, just start, just, (laughs) just start doing their thing, you know, destroying everything and, and, uh, just sort of a certain, their, uh, their barbaric attitude. Can you talk a little bit about the arts as a healer? Uh, yes. Um, so having a creative outlet, in my opinion, uh, is something that everyone should have. It is a moment in time where you can express the spirit, right? You can express the self without putting yourself in a box or having limitations. Um, so for me, it's writing. I absolutely love writing. Hmm. And uh, sometimes I will sit down and I won't know what I want to write about and I'll just start writing. And that sometimes is the best sort of work, uh, that I'll do because there was, there was no restrictions. It was just, you know, I get to, it's this very fluid, very, uh, I'm engaged, I'm in it. And that in itself is very therapeutic, um, allowing me to express, uh, my imagination to its potential and really stretch out my, uh, really stretch my arms out. Yeah. Um, uh, can be healing. And, you know, you have people who paint, right? You have people who, uh, man, they music, you know, music speaks to the soul. Mm. Um, and it does, it's, it's one of the, uh, one of the few things that sends out a vibration across all dimensions, right? So it just vibrates with the soul. Um, and then with that vibration, people can think with their imagination of all kinds of things that that music brings up, right? So there's this harmony that's sort of happening, whether people realize it or not, um, and, uh, yeah, let me check that. <laughs> I don't know what just happened. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I don't know if we lost power because this isn't going in. Right. So since we've sat down, we've had torrential downpour. Yep. Uh, we had thunder so loud. I almost stopped my heart. And then in the middle of your talking, the power went out. Yeah. So yeah. Hey, it's, it's we just, can still see a little bit. Yeah. Right? It's no, I don't know. It's all, it's all good. Now there's like a, it's a different atmosphere. It's a different it vibe. All. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all about it. It's cool. I like it. Cool. So we talked about, you were talking about art as a healer and the vibrations and, and all that kind of thing. Yeah. And how important it is just for self-care to have uh, some form of creative outlet, in my opinion. You know, we we go throughout our days uh, as a general public uh, where we put ourselves into boxes a lot of the time hmm. um, and we can't flex our creativity in some positions that, uh, that we fill. And so, you know, there's a lot of uh, purposelessness in some of those positions. Oh, yeah. Uh, and creativity is very purposeful. You're, you're using your, what I like to say is um, the, the creative process is playing, right? Learning, creating, and then uh, self-actualizing or organizing, and then self-actualizing the work that you just put in, right? Um, and that's also how I explain, explain how sort of the, uh, the universe is doing everything, right? So it's playing with itself in order to learn about itself, in order to express itself through all possibilities, and then sort of organize and then self-actualize. So you do the same thing when you do a creative outlet, 
right? So you're literally a universe within a universe, which, you know, I mean, while the bugs inside your body that are eating everything up, you literally right. are a walking universe yeah. inside of another one. So I, I like to apply that sort of idea um, onto myself. And so the creative, uh, using the creative process is super important um, as far as being able to express my spirit mm-hmm. uh, and, and just my overall, uh, just how I, how I'm processing things, right? Uh, journaling is super important in my, in, in, in my practice and self-care. Because um, what you'll find that's interesting is when you journal, one of the patterns that you might find uh, is, you know, you'll write over a couple months and then you'll look back at the writing. And what you notice is the way you write and the orientation is all past tense, right? Mm. So there might be some things that you're living in a past tense hmm. sort of uh, point of view because you're always explaining it from your point of view. As in like today this happened, today that happened. Or it was, uh, you know, I was yeah. doing this versus, uh, you know... Um, like, uh, I went to the store, right? Oh. I, I, I did go to the store. It's past tense. Um, and, uh, and some, and you know, one would say, well, at the end of the day, when I journal, it is past tense. Yes, you are right. But notice all of your, notice all the work that you, uh, put in is everything in past tense, because that might not saying it will, but that's a pattern that you might always be looking back, right? It might not. You know, um, but it's just a pattern that I notice, uh, you know, beginning my journaling and then seeing where my journaling is now. Um, but it's just that point of view. Are you looking forward or are you looking back? And so there's all these things that you can do creatively that sort of reflect yourself off of the work that you do when you paint. Right. Um, interestingly enough, I believe it was Picasso, the one that does the, uh, the wavy, the wavy guy. He takes both his hands, puts them together and it's wavy and it's like yellow um, Are you talking about like the, the Van Gogh screaming guy or whatever? Yeah, I think so. I think I know what you're talking about. Okay. Um, well, he does that painting. I don't think it's called the screaming guy for no. the people screaming at the screen right now. <laughs> <laughs> but I can picture what you're saying. Yeah, right? Um, <laughs> I'm going to look it up. Hang on, talk for yeah, a Yeah, absolutely. Well, what's interesting is so that was uh, his uh, psychiatrist. Um, really? Yeah. And so it's a reflection of a thing that's happening in his life and to look at it, uh, you can sort of put your own projection onto it and reflect it back into your own life. So art is like a gateway into the soul, right? In a sense. Um, it's a it's an object in which I can look at that reflects my values, right? I, I buy a car because the object reflects how valuable that car is in my reality. Um, and I think there was another one, the sunflower, I think is another Picasso one. God, I hope. Yeah. I think no, hang seems. on a second. This is this is it, isn't it? Yeah. Well, hang on. Let me look this up. Most expensive painting sold at auction after a version of Edward Munch's The Scream. Yeah. Edward Munch? Mm-hmm. Why did I think that was Van Gogh? Well, Edward Munch, The Scream. $119 million. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and, and from what I gathered in that story is that's his, uh, that, that was a reflection of his, uh, uh, psychiatrist that he was working with sort of just his, his projection of that whole thing, that whole mm-hmm. process. And then the sunflower, which was like this yellow, all yellow painting as well. Um, the reason why it was all yellow was because he was on, I can't even remember the medication that he was on, but the medication caused him to see yellow. Hmm. everywhere. So that's what he painted. Right. 
Um, so creative outlets are a great way to see yourself in an object so that you can reflect on it back as the subject. Right. So that's why uh, creative outlets are super important and they can be healing because they can show you the wounds that you may not be able to see because you can't see yourself. I kind of feel like there's in, in Kel's liner notes in the CD itself, uh, there's this sentence about, she's talking about how to listen to music and she's talking about it communicates with you on a level beyond language. And I just think so many times we find ourselves, maybe it's especially in the Western world, but I'm not sure if this is the only place I've lived. Um, trying to reduce everything to language. And if we can't explain it in words, it's not valid to talk about or valid to, to say this this experience means something. And I, I say this literally because when schools get budget cuts, the first thing that goes is the arts. Mm-hmm. And I just think like you're, you're taking away some people's only thing they look forward to in a school day. And you're taking away some people's opportunity for self-care. You're taking away someone's opportunity for self-healing, for recreating their mind, for these healing opportunities. And they it's looked at like you know, well, let's, let's save the real important things, the math and the English and this and that and the other. Um, no matter how many studies prove that spelling doesn't mean anything and we can all communicate no matter how we spell a word, like if the first and last letter are right or yeah. some weird thing, still they get rid of the arts. It drives yeah. me crazy. And it's, uh, it's, again, we're operating on this idea of fear. Um, and it's this idea that's brought to us by our media every day, right? It's, um, it's bad things are happening everywhere all the time, so everyone is afraid. Right. And it's moving from fear to courage. And this is just inherent uh, in human beings, which is why you had these uh, sort of other ideas uh, using psychedelics, for example, the Eleusinian mysteries, uh, the Egyptian rituals that you had mentioned. um, I'm not familiar with, but these are experiences to get people out of that fear mindset into a courageous one. Right. And uh, and, in that in itself, um, you know, when you're. When you're always, uh, when you're looking at like where you're going to do your budget cuts, it's like, okay, well, what keeps, what is the, what is the, if I reduce everything, what is the thing that doesn't necessarily, uh, do I need in order to survive in this, in this world? Mm -hmm. Art might be one of them. Right. Um, and so to the reductionist mind. And so they go and they look at, okay, well, what are the, what are the backbones to our society? Oh, well, it's science, it's math, it's, you know, all Mm -hmm. of these other things. And if you look at like Maslow's hierarchy, right? He does hierarchy of needs of physiological, which is, uh, you know, your survival, you know, your food, shelter, all of that kind of stuff. And then the next one is going to be security. So, um, you know, I'm only thinking about how I'm going to uh, be safe. And then a step above that is self-esteem. So once I don't have to worry about when I'm going to eat, where I'm going to live. Um, and then once I worry about, I don't have to worry about people breaking into my house or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I then move into self-esteem. So I start moving back into more like social interests, society, those things. And then with that self-esteem, how am I going to be recognized? And then above that, right, is going to start going into more of this uh, transcendence um, or art, right? Mm-hmm. Art was one of the ones that he has up top there. So it's the first thing to go, right. yet it's the most enlightening piece of our history. Totally. But it's the first thing to go. And that happens because we drop down when we start to feel afraid, we start dropping down into the lower, um, the lower hierarchy of, of Maslow. Um, if you use his model and that's, I'm gonna, I don't have to worry about art because I got to worry about putting the food on the table, right? Well, that top can pull people from this Mm -hmm. idea that, um, you know, they're afraid or whatever it is and actually can pull them up to a higher level, so to say, um, or a higher dimension, uh, to help them heal, uh, and help them sort of get through whatever they're getting through. Um, but then again, circumstance, uh, 
circumstances if uh, if the circumstances provide. Because you know, if you're growing up in an environment that uh, is is extremely violent, then art is not going to be something that you know we have to deal with your environment first before we can even yeah get you to get you to heal. Uh, on your on your own absolutely do you have time for two more questions yeah absolutely two more things i want to throw at you um so you saw the documentary um that we put together uh at the event big screen big speakers and everything like that any kind of first impressions or 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 your thoughts on it anything surprised you or didn't surprise you or (laughs) big takeaways yeah no the uh the emotion felt in the room um when, when i walked into that event and you know took my seat um and you know nice warm welcome by you uh and and there was i mean you could just tell the uh everyone was there for the for the right reasons um obviously but it was the emotion in the room it was very it was very purposeful everyone was there for for their reason but the reason was to understand the bigger picture Hmm. and i feel like everyone felt a part of something in that moment um and so that was sort of one of the things that I took away from it was just the overall experience and sharing. You know, you, uh, there was a panel uh, of three of you up there at the event mm-hmm. after the uh, after the video, and in, in the video itself, that just speaks volumes and emotion, right? So yeah. you show a video, and then now we're all going to talk about how we feel. Um, <laughs> to this panel. And, uh, so it's like, well, you raised our emotions. So now I'm going in on what I'm, what I'm thinking. And it was, you know, you had, you had a very variety of people, um, who were there. Some people experiencing, uh, PTSD, uh, some people experiencing very much the same similar situation as, uh, as Kelly. Yeah. Similar in their own way. There were yeah. people in that room. So for people who don't know what we did, um, so we had a recent, uh, I guess I'll call it an educational outreach, uh, event where, um, rented out a room and, showed the documentary I Want You to Hear Me, the Kelly Nicole story, played one of her songs in full front to back, and I kind of talked about the lyrics and why I, why I pulled from that song to set up this discussion panel where we had a, myself, um, a combat vet, and a PhD in psychology um, to talk about this concept of gaslighting. And we pulled this lyric from Hate Becoming, the title track, where she sings, it's all lies left, it's all true, right? And I just, that's so powerful the way she came up with that and the way it's panned left and right in the song and everything. So that was what he's talking about there. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so, and that, so that's what I took away from it was just the, the solid emotion that was created in that moment for everyone to share their thoughts. And in, in just in that process is very therapeutic for, I would say, uh, a lot of the individuals there. Um, and if not therapeutic, uh, it was at least, uh, enlightening, you know, um, got a better idea of, uh, the circumstances in which they're in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just yeah, having, having that, uh, you know, what you were doing and, and providing that sort of gateway to relate to something, right. An image like Kelly Nicole, that's, yeah. that's an image that someone can project onto and sort of pull themselves out of the, the pit that they're in. They see her and they go, well, wow, she, she did a lot. Like, and so if she did a lot, then I can at least like start pulling like that direction. Um, and so, yeah, that was, that was the biggest, just the overall emotion in that room was, it's awesome. It's cool. You, the way you just talked about it, it's like, she's an archetype. Yeah. Basically almost like Jungian right out of a textbook. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. 
That's cool. So final thoughts, you know what the foundation's about. We exist to support trauma survivors and people with eating disorders. Um, we sell the album, we share the documentary online and, and uh, at screenings and different events. We've got another film festival coming up in, uh, well, as we're tracking this, it's coming up by the time you hear it, we'll be done. Whoa, whoa. Um, but it's in LA, so I'm excited about that one. And, yeah, you know, cross your fingers awesome. that some of the right people are there and maybe we can share the story on a large scale. Do you have any final thoughts um, for anyone out there who's listening to this podcast, um, who's a survivor themselves, just any kind of final thoughts that you'd like to share with anyone, maybe who's doesn't feel like there's anyone in the world they can share this with and doesn't know where to turn, what the first phone call to make? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's so many resources out there. Uh, what I always like to say, just a very, a very short sentence is uh, we're all in this together. And we're all human beings. Um, I, I like to think that we are, uh, we're, we're spiritually living in a material world. Um, and with every tragedy, there's a, uh, a positive lesson to gain from it. Um, and we're all in this together. There, there's no one uh, greater than another. Um, we all have something to learn from each other. And so from your experience, uh, if it is so overwhelming, so just absolutely burdening to where you can't move, seek help. Seek help. Don't be afraid you know, don't let your experience define you. Don't let your experience um, create the reality in which you live. Uh, it's within your power, within your creative power, which is the creative energy everywhere around you to uh, to pull yourself any direction that you want to go. And if you don't know which direction that is, find, find help. Uh, go to, a, go see a counselor. Um, go see someone that can, that can understand your story from a perspective that you can see it from, and then, uh, start moving towards a direction that you want to move and not what's being pressed on you. Uh, so we're all in this together. That's my, my number one, uh, I even think, uh, I think it was on a musical. Uh, someone had said when I uh, when I had first said that they're like, "Oh, that's from." Oh no! Dang it! It was taken. <laughs> I was oh, like, "Ah, no. oh, still gonna use it though." No, it's, it's so important because the isolation piece. We are all in this together. We're uh, there's there's no way to get around um, the fact that we're social creatures. You know, uh, there's a. I'll end it with this, but there's a there's a story. Um, uh, Adler would Adler said, I believe, uh, is where I read it. Um, but even the hermit. You know, if a hermit's outside of a village and the village burns down, the hermit still has to go outside of another village because he's only in a hermit, even though he's isolated and everything, but he's only a hermit in relation to a society. Wow. He has to be outside of it. So you're always in relation to society. And so, you know, we're in this together. We're, we're here for you. Um, there's resources out there that are there for you. There's good things happening. There's good people out there, even if it's not necessarily what is being told to us uh, by the media that uh, yeah that you know we see a lot of in our day. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Vincent, for being on the program. And yeah, thank you. I think it I've got a, a lot of amazing material here. I can't wait to put this together. Yeah, you know, I I really appreciate. It. Thank you uh, for the opportunity to just have a discussion like this. Awesome. Let's stay in touch if we can find our way out of this room. Yeah. yeah <laughs> right. Get the music behind the mission. Hate Becoming by Kelly Nicole on iTunes and Spotify. If you guys haven't checked out the merch table, join the movement. Buy the album. Get your Kelly Nicole band merch and donate what you can at kellynicolefoundation.org. Courage is from Amplified!